Hey, welcome to Behind the Scenes with Sonda, a podcast with a focus on tackling the challenges in the healthcare billing world. I'm your host, Sonda Kunze, and I'm here to share about the real issues in healthcare billing. On this podcast, I'll be talking about the challenges that face providers every day when dealing with these large insurance carriers, showcasing the barriers that have to be overcome just to get paid. I have over 30 years experience in all aspects of the business side of healthcare. And with my expertise, I hope to provide you with some critical information and support regarding the world of healthcare billing. Together, we can make an impact. So let's dive in. Hey everyone, welcome to the first 2024 podcast for Behind the Scenes with Sanda. So today, we're just going to take 15, 20 minutes. So this is a great listen when you're on your way to work or something like that, or you're just walking the dog or you want to hear what latest behavioral health things have hit the public eye. We're getting a lot of questions about these, and I wanted to walk through how Medicare is planning to expand their mental health services and what they're paying for, et cetera. So I think the important thing is that you really need to understand from someone who is an expert, or if you want to go read the Federal Register yourself and you still have trouble understanding it because it's written so vague that all of us, I mean, some of it's vague, some of it's really good, but all of us even do scratch our heads sometimes when we read what they've said. But yes, the number one thing we are hearing, and that is true, marriage and family therapists and mental health counselors will be able to credential, and as of today, it's the 4th of January, have been for four days, able to get contracted with, uh, credentialed with Medicare. This is a big step because they really haven't done this in all the years that I have been working in behavioral health. It's always been a clinical social worker and also independently licensed. So we kind of had that, I would say stigma put on for quite a while. And now they're opening the doors to other providers. So there's good and bad in that too. And the good part is they have put in the safeguards so that you know what the regulations are to allow you to be credentialed. The bad part is there's a lot of myths, incorrect information being provided, and a lot of people are going to be confused as whether or not they qualify for the services. So really quickly, let's go over this. They have to possess a master's or doctorate degree which qualifies them for licensure or certification as this mental health counselor or marriage family therapist. And this does include addiction counselors. So addiction counselors fall under the mental health professionals. So anytime you're hearing the language of uh, marriage and family therapists or mental health professionals, addiction counselors are approved as being part of the MHPs. So, You also have to have a clinical supervision or experience for two years or, and let's be clear, it's or, 3,000 hours of post-master's degree clinical supervised experience. So I think we have seen some things out there that say two years and 3,000, so be careful. This is in the federal register. It's listed 
if you go in, if you literally Google 2024 physician fee schedule, federal register, you will definitely be able to bring up what was published on November 16th. And literally all you got to do is your little control F and put in marriage and family therapist, and it will take you to that part of the register so that you're not reading through the 2000 pages. But anyway, to be clear, it's a master's or doctorate degree. After you have that degree, then you need at least two years or 3000 hours. And again, it's a state by state thing. So this is where it gets complicated to give consulting um, in terms of somebody will call me from, you know, Utah or California, Ohio. Each of them have so many what we call alphabet soup, LPC, LISW, LPCC, LMFT. It, it really would boggle your mind. So there is no way for anyone to put out any type of educational material in any states that they're not qualified to answer. And there is plenty that I am not qualified to answer and plenty that I am. You have to understand what CMS is coming out to say, and that is mastered or doctorate degree. That also has to be two years and 3,000 hours and it has to be within, you know, that certification or licensure has to be within the state that you're practicing. Okay. <clears throat> so roughly, just to tell you, the reason it's not two years and 3,000 is that Medicare felt like 3,000 hours of the same type of experience is literally equivalent to what somebody would get in two years as well. So that's why it's a or situation and not an and situation. So we have that about the MFTs and the MHPs and a counselor, addiction counselors included. And then we, you know, also have some of these really interesting things coming out. So again, there was a big um, publication about IOP, which is intensive outpatient. And Medicare has not historically paid for this. They paid for partial hospitalization and other levels of care, but IOP was something that seemed to have been carved out. Well, they did come out and say they are absolutely going to pay for IOP. I think where this, where I want to say <laughs> the wording got misconstrued is that's not anybody who's doing IOP. You need to be an outpatient hospital, a federally qualified healthcare center, a rural health center, or something called a community-based health center. So these are terms that are given to the type of contract you have with Medicare. So I think it's really important to say you might be a community behavioral health clinic serving Medicaid clients, but it all depends on how your Medicare contract is set up. If you are set up as a clinic, you are not going to be reimbursed for IOP. So I think this is super important for everyone to understand. There was something that was out there that um, kind of went through a couple of the Ohio providers where they got a, let's say, publication from Medicare that said how IOP was going to require a physician to do the assessment per se. And all this was saying was <laughs> that this is, 
first of all, this is something that Medicare has always requested was a psych eval or at least a physician or nurse practitioner involved in the order of services. That's pretty much been standard. But again, this was something that was Medicare driven for the federal qualified health centers and the rural health centers. And it had nothing to do with our community behavioral health providers. And there was no change to the way that we were doing IOP. Now, I wonder if that happened in other states. It'd be interesting to hear from you guys if you have gotten confused on when IOP was going to be paid or what kind of provider can be credentialed. I'd love to hear from you about that. Along with those particular items, we also have where Medicare is recognizing some other behavioral services. These are something that are really in line with the chronic care management codes we have now, but they're called community health integration codes, principal navigation services, principal illness navigation services. Sorry, I need to say it right because they call them the PIN. These are things that are going to allow auxiliary personnel who are trained. Now, when I say that, I want everyone to understand in the federal register, they have it outlined exactly what they feel are the right elements and qualifications for the auxiliary personnel. So this isn't just somebody that you have in your office that hasn't been trained on the things that Medicare are looking for. Now, let again, I want to be clear that they haven't given specific courses or how long it needs to be or how many hours of training. They just said, these are the items that we feel your auxiliary personnel should be trained on in order to help you provide the services. But the services would be something initiated from a physician, a nurse practitioner, PA, anyone who's allowed to do an evaluation and management. They would identify the social determinants of health that are getting in the way of providing treatment. So this would be from a mental health perspective. It could definitely be from an SUD perspective that has behavioral health as behavioral health that includes both mental health and uh, SUD. And from that, in these particular items, that auxiliary personnel would then need to have these qualifications or certain types of training in order to have it build under the physician or nurse practitioner or PA and actually be performed under general supervision. So if all of that like kind of is too much, it's really something I'm not going to teach or the podcasts aren't for teaching. It's for having conversation. So I will be coming out with, of course, as far as I can, a webinar, a course, something that will provide the background information from CMS, from the correct source, and then provide that to you. But think of it in terms like the primary care or what we have, chronic care management codes. It's the same theory. The providers place the order the patients will need a consent. And the way that they have it in the federal red is that you can do it written or verbal, but it has to be in the medical record that the patient was, uh, that the patient consented for the service. And so there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things to unpack, but this is fantastic for the behavioral health community. We're going to be able to take primary care providers, uh, internal medicine, whatever, or general practitioners, that are going to be able to wrap care around the services of our mental health providers. And for those organizations that have branched out to create primary care services within their own behavioral health organization, this is going to be a fantastic way 
to meet the needs of your clients all the way around. Because in these communities where behavioral health is given, there is a ton of social determinants of health that get in the way of these particular patients getting care. And we're going to be able to do that. And then we have the principal illness navigation services and those involve uh, peer recovery. So again, there's a lot to unpack, not something we want to do on, you know, a 15 minute podcast, but I want to make, I wanted to come on and just make everybody aware. These things are out there. We have the availability uh, to get the information. Please get it from appropriate sources. Make sure that when um, folks give you some information regarding what Medicare is going to pay for and what they're not, what regulation they've brought on, like that IOP thing got way out of control in terms of what our Medicaid rules were versus what what the Medicare rules were coming out to say. So I think that that's the most important takeaway for you guys. Trust but verify. Always get your information. And if you're at all confused, by all this stuff that, that is coming out, we'd love to help you. This, these are the things that we make sure as we call ourselves out to be an expert, that we go in to the Federal Register, read, do our best to interpret, bounce it off of other consultants that we know, that we trust, and we just make sure that we're delivering that information in a way that can be digested and actually have action put to it. So if you have a pretty good Medicare in pretty good Medicare base of patients in your payer mix, it is worth you looking into making sure that if you have eligible clinicians that they're getting credentialed with Medicare, that you are aware of the services. If you're running both the primary care portion of your organization, along with your community behavioral health, that you know about these community health integration codes that are coming out. We also know that for commercial, meaning that I know some Medicaids will pay for this, but in terms of the AMA and the CPT codes, the HBAI codes, the health behavioral assessment and intervention codes are also bringing to the table the allowed social workers and those folks doing the CPTs that they had originally said could only be done by psychologists. So The doors are opening. There's a right way to go about it to get this extra revenue. Make sure you tune in and we'll help keep you up to date on all these Medicare guidelines. So for that, again, thank you for listening in. You've heard the first podcast in 2024. Thanks a bunch. Thank you so much for listening to Behind the Scenes with Sonda. Remember, you can make a difference by sharing this podcast with others who are experiencing the same struggles. The more we reach, the more chances we have to create a community of like-minded people who want to impart change to the business side of healthcare. If you love this episode, please don't forget to rate and review. Until next time, stay curious, stay inspired, and keep learning.